Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Okay, Dave, we're back to the boiling point. Welcome back. Good to see you again. It's good to see you as well. And, um, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago, we, we had a few people, uh, or actually the last two or three episodes, except mm-hmm. for Kate's last week, mm-hmm. uh, was with guests from Sustainable Brands Conference mm-hmm. that, I, that I met. Uh, you know, there's this incredible movement happening that's been going on for many, many years that really started to... This, this event was big for you, wasn't it? All of the, like anytime I invest in going to one of these things where I, I'm I'm uh, in a community of other very like-minded people, mm-hmm. people who want to take business to the next level, people who want to take take arts to the next level, uh, but doing it in a, in a way that is really on the edge, yeah. it gets me excited. And the people I get to meet, it's like your tribe. Yeah, it's the tribe, and yeah. you know what? You do three or four or five of those a year, uh, you get lots of podcast guests. So it's a nice little strategy. And you are very good at that. And and this week again, once again. Uh, yeah, you, you have brought in a guest, <laughs> so and that I get to meet. You so get to I, meet. I, I get the benefit of all of this. So Bob Willard is our guest today, and he's a very uh, interesting individual to me. We had a great conversation in California. He's an author. He's a speaker, and he's really been one of those champions of sustainability uh, for for many years. And he is one of those guys that's asked to to speak everywhere on this topic. So Bob, welcome to the Boiling Point. Nice to have you here. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Great. So, uh, Bob, why don't you give us uh, and our listeners, uh, uh, including Dave, just a little bit of background on on you and how long you've been uh, uh, pushing the sustainability gospel? (laughs) Um, Well, I guess uh, 2000 would be a good date to start as um, my new career. I left IBM Canada, where I'd worked for about 34 years. Uh, in 2000, took early retirement, got a, a book out of my system that I really felt would be helpful in engaging business in this sustainability journey. Um, and uh, I'm having a good time. I, I, I don't do consulting, which would be way too much like work. Uh, so I, I just do talks. I do 80 to 100 talks a year and um, try to help people understand that doing more than they're already doing on environmental and social things is not a sacrifice. It's actually a huge advantage if they're in the business community. And, and what are the real major changes you've seen even in the last five years? Because, you know, being at that conference with you, uh, Bob, was amazing hearing the targets of the world or the Walmarts of the world, typically these monoliths that really were responsible for a lot of the, uh, the, the opposing forces of sustainability in the past, are now grabbing on. And, it's, uh, and I really truly believe in my heart it's not just a trendy thing. This is something that's really happening. And there's a, a fair bit of real, honest, measurable positive impact happening in the world because this movement has finally uh, found some momentum. But what's happened in the last few years? Because this has been something that people have been pushing for many years. Yeah, a lot of it's timing. Um, I think that the uh, so-called externalities that, uh, in, that the corporations of the world have been able to almost get away with uh, for the last 250 years are, are starting to come home to roost. Uh, the uh, impact on society and the environment, uh, positive as well as negative, um, is starting to boomerang on them. And the so-called global sustainability megaforces are starting to cause them to pay attention to things that they never had to before. 
um, just as a part of their risk management. Uh, their minerals are getting more scarce. Uh, fossil fuels are becoming uh, a little bit harder to find in traditional ways. Water is becoming more scarce. Uh, and as the population of the world grows and the carrying capacity of the planet starts to get a little stressed, uh, the businesses are starting to understand that these things are no longer just tree hugger issues. These are, these are hard-nosed business issues. What are they going to do? Uh, as they start to find that things which they are used to being able to do and have access to are more scarce now or not as acceptable as they used to be. So uh, as businesses try to grow and as they try to improve their brand, uh, they're finding that their uh, the level of expectations of their important stakeholders has risen considerably and they need to pay more attention to these things. So it, it's great. So, Bob, um, when did you start paying attention to this? Is this something you've just been in your blood for, you know, you talked about, you know, being uh, working with IBM and, you know, and then there was this early retirement and then you got, you know, this kind of almost sounds like a second career. Um, you know, was there, a, was there a point that something shifted and, and you decided this is, I need to look more closely at this, I need to be more involved in this, or, you know, maybe you can give us a little sense of, of how this evolved for you. Yeah, that's a good question, because I, uh, for most of my uh, life and career in IBM, was blissfully ignorant uh, of what was going on in the world from an environmental perspective especially. Uh, in the mid-90s, uh, there was a proposal to put a new water treatment plant into the community that I was living in at that time on Lake Ontario, um, just a little too close to the Pickering Nuclear Generation Station than some of us thought it, it should be. Um, and... Uh, my wife and I started to explore some of the health implications of uh, radioactive tritium in our drinking water and so on, and um, gave a whole series of presentations over a period of three years to every level of government possible uh, to try to get them to move the water plant somewhere else. Um, it, it didn't work, but uh, the lesson that I learned from that was that there are some big issues out there, and um, the people that I thought were looking after us <laughs> um, weren't doing it quite the way I thought they were. Um, don't, don't tell me that, Bob. I... Uh, okay. I, it, was, it, it was a wake-up call for me, too. I, I must admit I was happily naive about all of yeah, this. But... We are blissfully ignorant yeah. of a lot of issues. Totally. Yeah. But isn't that interesting? So anyway, so that really kick-started uh, for you. Well, that got me started, and I started to think about it, and I thought, geez, I need to take more personal responsibility or at least interest in this. So I was working part-time um, on a master's at the University of Toronto. I finished it with credits from the Faculty of Environmental Studies, realized that, my goodness, there is a lot of bad stuff going on out there, and we need to do something about it. And my concern was that I didn't think governments or non-governmental organizations or not-for-profits could pull this off on their own, that we really need to tap into the business community's resources and expertise and wisdom and, and money to be able to do what needs to be done. But from my experience in business, companies aren't going to do anything unless there's something in it for them. I mean, they're not allowed to. Uh, so what's the business case? And uh, after talking to two or three of my professors, they reassured me that there wasn't one. Uh, and I thought, well, uh, there has to be one, and I'm, I, I actually think that there is one. So uh, my master's paper was the business case for sustainability. I, I took early retirement, got that book out of my system, which was the first book, The Sustainability Advantage. Um, and the intent of that is to help companies understand that 
this is good news. There's a lot of good stuff that they can do for their bottom line mm -hmm. as well as for the environment. And they can size that and monetize it. So that that's the background. And wow. the more I get into it, the more I realize that the mindset of business is totally out of whack with the reality of what's possible from a business perspective as well as from a social and especially environmental perspective. That so the very that I love that you know just to hear kind of the the trajectory for you um, on a personal level um, just out of curiosity like what so what how was you know the how did the academics um, feel about your paper your, your you know f like and you know the, the folks that were saying there isn't a business case and you kind of said well I believe there is how how was that received? Well, they, they're actually pretty excited about it, um, and I don't think they'd ever done the math before, just sort of added it all up. I mean, the, the low-hanging fruit, the so-called low-hanging fruit, the savings on the four usual suspects, energy, water, material, and waste expenses, um, there's a lot of potential there, a lot more than they'd realized. Secondly, they had not allowed for uh, other aspects that could be included in the business case, both avoiding risks as well as the employee engagement part. Mm -hmm. Um, so the more holistic framing of the business case, uh, I think, helped them understand how robust it was. Would there be another element to add to that, or, or maybe you, you, it's in there? I'm just, but you know, like in terms of, um, you know, consumers are interested in buying products from you know socially and environmentally responsible organizations. Yeah, uh, and that's captured in the the revenue or revenue opportunities from. Uh, customers who are more selective these days about either the products they buy or the companies that they buy from. Um, so the, there are four usual components to any business case. Make more money, that's the top line, revenue. Save money, that's at the expense line. Avoid risk and increase your brand value, which gives you better access to capital. Um, and those four things are ones that I tried to uh, articulate uh, the sub-components of, in the business case, uh, monetize them in a way that is extremely conservative, that is to say lowball, um, and help companies see that uh, regardless of what sector they're in or where they are or how big they are, uh, they could make at least 51 to 81 percent more profit within the next three to five years, probably one to three years actually, uh, just by doing what other companies have already done. And if they don't, they could be jeopardizing their profit by 6 to 36 percent. And all of those percents are really, really, really low. It, it, I, I was trying desperately to keep the 51 to 81 percent under 100 percent because nobody would believe it if right. it, you know, was above 100 percent. That well, that man, that you, like that. It, it, I'm sure anyone listening to that, including <laughs> myself, goes, "Okay, I want to learn more about that as an entrepreneur," because that. That that must and you I, mean, I get I can tell you speak to probably a lot of a lot of your your speaking you said your hundred speaking engagements are with the business community I'm I'm assuming. Yep. Yeah. Actually, I I talk to anybody that that invites me. It's all kind of word of mouth. So I I talk to uh, business conventions, business conferences, um, to a lot of academics, college and university uh, professors bring me in as a guest speaker. Uh, to non-governmental organizations that are trying to figure out how to connect more effectively with uh, businesses, and um, just essentially uh, anybody in government that's interested as well, that the public sector sometimes has uh, ministers or departments that are trying to figure out how to engage business on some of these things as well. So, um, But I, uh, I honestly don't 
go out and beat the bushes for speaking opportunities. I, I'm about as busy as I <laughs> as I need to be. <laughs> um, one of the things that I was really interested in, and uh, it came out a little bit in, in the introduction with you, is with this new shift that's happening right now with, um, you know, uh, an escalation of triple bottom line based businesses, uh, as well as the old dinosaurs starting to come on board, but not only coming board, coming on board in a big way. What I'd like to hear a little bit of your perspective on it. It's, uh, you know, it, it makes me, it perplexes me, but it makes me really happy as well that some of these, these massive industries that tr- typically have had such a, a dangerous supply chain are cleaning themselves up. And sure, they might be uh, beating their chests about it. And sure, maybe it's not an actual ingrained value, but they're doing it. So yeah, is that a win? It, you know? Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm not as hung up on motivations as I used to be. I don't care why they're doing it. I just want them to do it. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, some of them are doing it for uh, hard-nosed business reasons. It's under the guise of risk mitigation, um, and and that's healthy. That's you know, 80% of the decisions in business are made because of the risk factor more than the opportunity factor. Um, and the wake-up call is usually, you know, if we don't do this, bad things are going to happen. So that's a wavelength that sustainability champions are getting better at being able to tap into, without sounding like doom and gloom people. Um, but, you know, it, it is encouraging that, that the so-called dinosaurs are cluing into this and starting to get with the program. Um, on the other hand, I don't think they quite understand how far away they are from the goal line uh, on some of these things that they need to be paying attention to. So uh, the current project that I'm working on is called the Future Fit Business Benchmark. So if you want to be fit for the future as a business, what are the what are the goals that you should be shooting for? What what what's the goal line look like? And um, we're calling that sort of a fourth benchmark. Uh, right now, there are three benchmarks that companies normally use when they report on how they're doing. One of them is how they were doing the previous year or the previous years. Uh, the second one is how they're doing uh, on track to meeting goals that they have um, declared for themselves like a percent reduction by a certain year on water or greenhouse gases or anything. Uh, The third one is more what external people do on their behalf. They rate and rank them as to how they are doing relative to others in their sector or others in the business world. So those are the first three, looking back, looking forward, and looking sideways as, as, as to how you're doing relative to other companies. What we're adding as a fourth benchmark is where you need to be mm-hmm. if you're going to get fit for the future, if you are going to be truly sustainable, if you're going to be a, a player in trying to ensure that the human society on this finite planet has a flourishing future. Um, and business does too. So. Uh, the fourth benchmark is called the Future Fit Business Benchmark. And as I was listening to the same presentations that you were at Sustainable Brands and applauding as you were the, the level of progress that people are making and, and seeing that they need to make, what I kept listening for is, do they understand that you know reducing uh, greenhouse gases 50% by 2050, it might not be enough? Um, it might not be soon enough, might not be enough. Do they understand what the ultimate goal is, which is no greenhouse gases? And how are they doing against that? And is that mission impossible? And are they looking at business models that might make it possible? 
So we think it's time to put a stake in the ground and say it's terrific that you're doing good stuff. Mm-hmm. But you need to understand that this is this is maybe, in some cases, baby steps on the journey. And that we're kind of running on a runway here on, on being able to get to where we need to be to ensure that things are going to be okay. Yeah. Well, the the concept of, I mean, even just how you've termed that, future fit. I mean, that's got to... Um, uh, it's a great, I don't know, I think it's a great way to, dis- or just a great kind of name for it, you know, and just in terms of uh, who doesn't want to be fit, right? Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, it, may I ask, uh, I, I, you know, what you, how you feel about um, Canada and the Prime Minister Harper's <laughs> recent pledge? I'd be very curious to hear your opinion on that. And uh, and it's good to be, and just for, you know, not that you have to be, but it's good to be polarizing as well if, if you feel that way. Uh, obviously, um, so you know what, because and, and maybe you could inform our audience in terms of the the, the most recent pledge, and 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 would you can educate us into what that mm. really means. I'm curious too, on Bob's perspective. Yeah, well, our current prime minister is a national embarrassment. Um, <laughs> is, he uh, he is just giving Canada a bad name on so many different things. Uh, so it's hard for me not to be a little political on this, but. Um, when he pledged to be off um, fossil fuels by 2100, along with a bunch of other G7 folks, uh, that's a pretty hollow pledge. First of all, it's 85 years away. Secondly, he'll be dead by then. Uh, thirdly, uh, there is no evidence that any of these pledges are uh, sincere from other pledges that they've made in the past, and they have no plan to get there. Zero plan to get there but other than that it's a great idea you know <laughs> well you, you know i saw this uh, you'll love you'll like this i think bob i saw this tweet um by and i i have to credit the person i don't have it in the top of my head who it was but it was you know saying that that uh the prime minister harper's pledge being carbon free um you know is like me you know um pledging to start working out when i turn 90 and you know the guy was yeah. like 40 and i just thought what, awesome. what a great way to describe it you know what i mean yeah it's, it's sad it's sad <laughs> it and is, hopefully yeah. in the election coming up in november we can fix that but in the meantime um it, it i'm really uneasy about the role that canada is playing along with a couple of other well, rene- renegade uh, nations in uh, blockading progress on something as important as climate change. Yeah. If we don't climate change, all the rest of these things are academic. So who who is who is um, you know gives us in your from your perspective the most hope environmentally in terms of you know as we as as can, Canadians go to a, a federal election coming up, I believe in the fall. Um, you know who should we be listening to, or what should we be listening for? You mean parties, political parties in yeah, Canada? Or yeah, yeah, just in terms of platforms. Yeah, I, I'd be interested in political parties. I'd be interested in businesses and corporations, and also with countries. Like, maybe that's like yeah. three questions. Like, who are three leaders in those three spaces? But starting with Canada. And, and by and by the way, we remember we Bob asked at the start before we got rolling. You know how long we'd be? Well, we're coming up to twenty one minutes. Well, right well, this is gonna be a, gr- a okay, great so place need, to slide her out. You know, good advice. Uh, you know, <laughs> I need to, need to talk fast. So, yeah, in terms of political parties and. Political parties in Canada, the Green Party is ahead of everybody on, on their position on this. They want a price on carbon, and they're not hung up on whether it's carbon tax or, or uh, cap and trade. Uh, the Liberal Party of Canada is um, a little bit more on the cap and trade side. Uh, on the other hand, they've made those pledges before, so there's a little bit of question about how sincere that is. Uh, the New Democratic Party, the NDP, is... Um, 
fairly aggressive on it, but um, they haven't been in power ever, so it's hard to know, either at the Green Party. But it would be sort of Green Party, New Democratic Party, Liberal Party, and that priority as two alternatives to the current Conservative Party. Internationally, uh, the countries that are leading the charge are in Europe. Uh, the, the countries in Europe, for whatever reason, are way, way ahead of the rest of the world on their thinking, on their doing, on all of these environmental issues, especially climate change, led by Germany, led by Sweden, led by Denmark. Um, really, really good stuff. Um, in terms of corporations, when you talk about which companies are the furthest along, uh, interface carpet in the U.S. is usually at the top of, the, of people's list, uh, mostly because of the legacy of Ray Anderson when he was in charge of that company. But the culture that he established in the company continues the momentum despite his passing. Uh, Unilever, uh, Procter & Gamble, Ikea uh, are also very aggressive on some of the, the goals that they have set for themselves. Uh, from the actions of their leaders in those companies, I think they're serious. Uh, of course, there's always more they can do. Um, but I think that when the big guys start to get religion on these things, uh, good things happen throughout their, their supply chains um, and throughout the market. Uh, so it, it's it's encouraging. What a succinct answer. That That yeah, is really that helpful. Thank you, Bob. And um, how do So how do people... Uh, I, can, I can ask you a question about how people... Uh, get a hold of you. Then I have a, a quick request of of you, uh, if I may, uh, that you can accept, reject, or we can negotiate. Um, but how do how do people learn more about you? Uh, okay, so the website's probably the best place to do it. Sustainabilityadvantage.com trips right off the tongue. <laughs> so sustainabilityadvantage.com talks uh, gives you a sense of of the the books that I've written, the resources I've got for sustainability champions, and what I do. Um, and how to contact me. So uh, that's probably a good one-stop shop for uh, any further information. Okay. And then, so I'll go kind of launch into the request here, but before I have to ask a quick question, have you ever been on the Miramichi River? I don't think so. The mighty Miramichi. It's in New Brunswick. You you would love it. It's this beautiful, beautiful river. And just off the river, I meet with a group of business leaders in our region, and we're always looking for great speakers. Ah, you know what, Bob? <laughs> Would be a phenomenal I, speaker how, for the Wallace McCain Yeah, I would love it if we could get you out to speak. So, I, so I, my request is that we can, you and I can talk about that offline at some point. Yeah, that'd be fun. I, I'd be happy to have a chat with you about that and see it's how a, I can help. It's a very dynamic group, Bob. I, I warn you. <laughs> You're the best. Yeah, I, listen, I love it. It was it was such a pleasure to meet you in person a few weeks ago. Looking forward to hopefully uh, meeting you in Portland in uh, in the fall if if you and I are going to be there. Um, yes. Uh, Bob is also a B Corp. Uh, just so you know. Naturally. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Bob. Listen, keep keep on doing uh, doing the great work you're doing and inspiring everybody. Really uh, appreciate people like you spreading uh, spreading these messages, and uh, hope uh, we stay in very close touch. Thanks for the opportunity, and I I've enjoyed the chat. Take okay. care. Thank you so much for for the great education as well, Bob. I look forward to talking more. Okay. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. It's cool when you see somebody who has been leading a charge like this for so long. You know, um, I don't know. Remember when he said he left IBM? But he's been doing this for a little while. In the mid nineties. Oh, two thousand. Okay. So even the world in two thousand of what we're talking about: sustainability, triple bottom line companies, companies building profit for good. That was it. Was still almost fiction at that time. 
you know, and now even in, in that period of 15 years, what has happened, you know, and, uh, uh, as far as the takeaway, I just, you know, I, I, I He's he's speaking the language that I that I want to strive to become as as part of this entrepreneurial community here where we live, um, and it's just a constant inspiration to know that this network and this community is legit, and there's people who are really making uh, amazing waves. And now, you know, I said dinosaurs with respect, but I think about those old big businesses like the WalMarts. Yeah. They're certainly very new and very current as well. But who would have thought that they would actually be the leaders in or, in bringing organic food? to uh to the masses who would have thought that they would probably be the uh, the most significant um uh force in cleaning up supply chains you know uh, with sustainable practices i never would have thought that even three years ago so some amazing things are happening dave well and you know in i can't help but think well those those you know a lot of times people are railing against those companies and they're run by people and those people are not evil. Like, there's good people that work in these organizations. So, you know, it's nice to hear that good conversations are happening, you know, in these places. And there's good coming out of it. And for me, what resonated the most uh, was Bob. Um, I, I, you know, like, we're, it's great to see what's happening. I've decided to let go of why people are here. Like, you know, is it altruism or is it pro-social? I mean, who cares? I, I couldn't agree with that more on a personal, you know, in, in, like personally in terms of my philosophy. Um, so that, so that really kind of rings true for me. Uh, and then, but more importantly, I think, and, and this is the kind of thing that really I, I'd like to be better at, but his, his idea is that we're, we got a long way to go. You know, that whole future fit kind of concept, like where, where do we want to be? And what's, you know, because, I mean, he, obviously he has a much clearer picture of, of the importance of it than maybe I would. But but that's kind of neat to hear because that's a real pioneer. 100%. And, uh, wow, we're getting some great guests these days, oh, Dave. Well, let's, let, 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 you are getting some good guests. Well, why, why don't we put this out to the audience? You know, we have a lot of people listening now, which is awesome. And uh, <laughs> every time we release this, I slam the links onto the B Corp, uh, you know, social media boards. I, you know, we're, we're both sharing this all over the place, which means people are listening and you, the listening audience, know people that need to be on this podcast. So get in touch with us, you know. Uh, and Matt, uh, in his amazing recording at the end, is going to give you all of our social links. So please be in touch and keep on listening. Please share uh, and spread the word of the boiling points. Thank you. Peace, Peace out. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. 
That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. 